0: Uh, In John's Gospel, John chapter 1, the God made flesh, or God in the flesh, is the the title of the series. We've had three weeks already, and we haven't got very far. We've only gone through the first few few verses. Um, And uh, this morning we're looking at verses 6 to 8. And um, I'm sure that you appreciate that this particular passage of scripture is so rich it's all about the revelation of the Son of God and um, we have this term word don't we the word in the beginning was the word and we know that this is referring to Jesus because verse 14 says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us I like the message version. It says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And it's the actual word um, re- refers to that, that is, be- became, or um, the, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Um, it, it, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, I think the Word is like tabernacled among us, pitched his tent. Among us, And it, it takes us back to the Old Testament where the Jews had the tabernacle where God had chose to dwell. God dwelled among his people um, in the tabernacle. So that's the sense of it. The Word became flesh and, and, uh, and um, dwelt among us. So it, we're looking at verses 6 to 8 but we'll read from the beginning again. In the beginning was the Word... to bear witness about the light, that all men might believe through him, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Heavenly Father, thank you for the glorious revelation of your Son that you have preserved for us in your Word. Lord, help us again, Lord, to plumb the depths of this, Lord, to uh, Lord, to uh, see the depth and Wonder of all this glorious revelation of Jesus. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So verses 6 to 8, um, they actually seem like something of an interruption to the flow because the text could flow quite easily from verse 5 to verse 9. We could read, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to every man, was coming into the world. It flows quite well. It seems a bit like um, an interruption. And here we are introduced to another John, John the Baptist. We have John the author, John the apostle, who's writing, but we're introduced to John, John the Baptist. We might call him John the witness, because about 14 times the word witness is associated with John. And um, we will look at John being a witness this morning and what makes a good witness. And um, we find that the apostle interrupts the flow again in verse 15. And so much of an interruption that the, uh, the translators of, of the Bible for the ESV, which is what I'm reading from, it's in parenthesis, it's in brackets. So it, it shows that it's been kind of interjected in some way. It says, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. So what's, what's the purpose of John bringing John the Baptist in, the picture at, at this point? Well, we can be sure that he had a purpose Uh, we, We may only speculate exactly what the purpose is, but we can be sure he had a purpose. It was part of his overall plan. And towards the end of John's Gospel, John says this, he says, but these things are written, that's all that he's written so far, his Gospel. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. So we can be sure that the um, inclusion of John the Baptist here is part of John's testimony regarding Jesus so that people might believe in him and have life. So we look at John, the witness. What kind of witness was he? Uh, Today there are some prominent Christian pastors and evangelists, Christian musicians, who through modern media have, have taken on celebrity status. That's... That's a fact of life, isn't it? That uh, the way that they're presented, they, they appear to some extent as celebrity status. I don't know how you feel about that when you see some of these uh, evangelists and so on on television uh, who seem to be in great prominence. How do you feel about that? How do they compare with John? We'll see that um, although John was immensely significant in God's purpose, he made little of himself, which raises the point that a good witness is not just someone who can bring a message or tell a story or tell of what they've seen or heard as in a court of law, but someone who is not taken up with themselves. A good witness doesn't get in the way of their message. And um, uh, we, all, we will see that a, a good Christian witness is someone who makes much of Jesus and little of themselves. There are well-known Christians in the spotlight, as I said, whose message is good and authentic, but their manner and their lifestyle are such that, to me anyway, too much attention is drawn to them. And um, in contrast, we'll see that, that John the Baptist rejoices when he is able to recede into the background, and uh, so that Jesus can be brought into full view. So what was John the author trying to bring out here in referring to John the Baptist? Well, I'm going to suggest two things, and um, I'm borrowing some headings from John Piper, um, one of my favourite authors, and these are John Piper's headings, and I think they're helpful. The first heading is, Our witness is a great necessity. Our witness is a great necessity. And secondly, our witness is a great knot. Not the knot you get in your laces, okay? It's a knot, a no no. So, our witness is a great necessity. Verses 6 to 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light so there is a man there was a man there is a man and um, yet the verses before are all about the all sufficient creator God who could spread light and life throughout the world by his own power God does not need a man to display his glory and his power and his light. The light does not need a witness, but God said there must be one. God has determined that there shall be a witness. The word and life and light are going to spread through the witness of human beings and no other way. The words of the witness may be spoken or they may be in writing. Just as I um, mentioned uh, just now, that uh, verse uh, at the end of John's Gospel, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. So the witness can be spoken and it can um, be written, but it involves words. In John 17... If you know that uh, wonderful passage, Jesus is meeting with his disciples um, for the the last time before he is arrested, taken away for trial and crucifixion. And he's meeting with his disciples and he prays for them. And amazingly, we have his prayer recorded for us and it's often referred to as Jesus' high priestly prayer. He's praying on behalf of... Of his disciples he's praying for his disciples and how does he see that we would come to faith well this is what he says I do not ask or I do not pray for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word so we come to believe because of the witness Of others we come to believe because of the witness of those first disciples who then passed on that witness uh, to others so it will be humans who bear witness to Christ with words that will be the means of everyone who comes to faith that's how we come to faith by hearing or reading Uh, acts of kindness and mercy are very important Um, It's important that we show love to the world because it's a way of demonstrating God's love to people. And um, we're the the first to want to be involved in social action. We're involved in food bank and street pastors and now in CAP, Christians Against Poverty, because we believe we should demonstrate God's love and uh, enable people to come to a conclusion that yes, perhaps God really does... Love me, but there needs to be words if people are to find salvation. Salvation only comes through words. In, um, in Romans chapter 10, we, we read this Paul says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And then it says so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So that's the plan. The word and the light are coming into the world. But they're not going to conquer the darkness with a a, a massive lightning bolt that flashes across the sky. They're going to conquer the darkness by igniting millions of witnesses throughout the world. Ordinary people like you and me. And John makes this explicit in verse 7. He says that... uh, He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. All men might believe. So God is still sending witnesses. Whilst human witness is necessary, it is not by human initiation. We can't just decide ourselves to be witnesses. We need to be sent. God is the initiator. The witness must be sent by God. And that witness is bearing witness to the truth, the truth about the condition of man, the truth about Jesus Christ and what Jesus has come to accomplish uh, for us, Uh, the truth of what God wants to impart to us and the way that we can find reconciliation with God and peace with Him and embrace that life that God uh, wants to give. This is all the truth that we are witness to. And the more and more people, as more and more people receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour and become children of God, as we read in verse 12, for as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. And as those people become children of God, then they too are sent to be witnesses. God was involved in not just sending Jesus He was involved in sending witnesses to Jesus. In Matthew 9, we have Jesus with his disciples amongst the crowds. And he looks across the crowds and he sees that they are people that are harassed. uh, And they're, they're lost. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus is concerned for them. He turns to his disciples and said, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out labourers into his harvest. God sees to it that we pray and then God answers and sends. I don't know if you've had the experience where you've been concerned about something and you've been praying about it and suddenly you find that actually God's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, actually you're the answer to your prayer. I guess we've had that, haven't we? And I say this: this was my experience when it came to um, establishing a cap centre in uh, in Herne Bay. We've been talking about it for a couple of years amongst the church leaders, and I got very enthusiastic about it. And thinking, we just need to find somebody who's the manager, and and I felt it kind of hinged on who the manager was. And I'm, you know, talking to people and speak, talking it up. And then suddenly I find that God's saying to me, I think it's you. It's you, John. (laughs) Okay, Lord. (laughs) Okay, it's me. And so we pray. And then God answers and sends. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So Jesus was sent into the world. Now Jesus sends us into the world to be his witness also the risen Christ said to the Apostle Paul read it in Acts 22 go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles to places like Turkey and Greece not to bask on the sands as we might do but to be a witness and to tell people about Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 1 Uh, one of the uh, many occasions that Jesus met with his disciples after he had risen from the dead. And on this occasion, the disciples said to him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Um, They were still thinking about an earthly kingdom. Uh, I'm sure they were thinking, come on, Jesus, we're going to kick the Romans out. Um, and we're going to establish the kingdom of Israel now in this land. And Jesus said to them, "It's, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has put under his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses so God who saves also sends you might say well yeah I'm a, I'm a believer um, but I've never actually felt God sending me God's never um, sent me to a far off land to be a missionary or somewhere else in this country I, I don't actually feel sent but just remember what Jesus said um, he started with Jerusalem which was the disciples backyard he says, start in your backyard and be a witness. And that's true of us. Our witness starts with our family, with our friends, with our um, neighborhood, with our community. That's where it starts. So we've seen in verse, verses 6 to 8 that John's mission was to be a witness. The fact is that John already had a successful ministry. He was a powerful Fiery preacher, uh, fearlessly confronting the hypocritical religious leaders of his day. Do you remember what he called them? A brood of vipers. Fancy calling your religious leaders a brood of vipers. You could imagine steam coming out of their ears, couldn't you? Really? Okay. But thousands came to him from across Judea. They flocked to him, confessing their sins and being baptized. By him, he was successful by by any stretch of the imagination, Uh, absolutely successful in what he was doing. He had disciples before Jesus did, and he taught his disciples to pray before Jesus taught his disciples. He is spoken of as fulfilling the prophecy of Malachi. Now, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And the last verses of the Old Testament. It says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. John was like a bridge between the Old and the New Testament. Uh, he was the last of the old order of prophets uh, preparing the people for the new, preparing the way for the Messiah. You know that's part of his testimony, that I've, I'm one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So John was very, very significant in God's purposes. But he knew he was not there to make a name for himself, but to do everything he could to expose Jesus to the people and facilitate the receiving by the people of the Son of God who had come into the world. John was an effective witness because his sole aim was to promote Jesus. He had no mixed motives as far as we know. No mixed motives. Unfortunately, people with power and influence and authority who have some sway over people, can easily have mixed motives. They can be self-seeking, promoting themselves in the process of whatever it is they're doing. How many of of us can claim that we've never had mixed motives, um, even in serving in the church, in the things that we do? I mean, I have to put my hand up and say, um, I think my main motive for standing here uh, is to glorify Jesus Secondly, I I trust that I am serving you well. That's another aim of mine. But secretly, maybe I think, I hope I'm being thought well of. Uh, You know, um, know, um, and maybe you're noticing me. It it happens, doesn't it? We easily have mixed motives. But John, I don't believe, had mixed motives. He repeatedly deflected attention away from himself with the word not and this is where we come to our, our second um, heading we've had our witness um, is a great necessity now our witness is a great not uh, verse 8 he was not the light verse 20 he confessed and did not deny but confessed I am not the Christ and then in verse 21 and they asked him what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Well, there was a sense, as we've kind of hinted at by the, 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 the scripture we read before from, uh, from Malachi, he, in some sense, he was Elijah, but he had come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He was not uh, Elijah brought back from the dead. A reincarnation of Elijah. He was not the physical prophet brought back again, but he was I- I- um, in the power and um, and uh, authority and spirit of, of Elijah. Um, we can read something about um, uh, his birth in Luke chapter Luke chapter one. You remember that um, that John's parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, and uh, Elizabeth had been barren as so many women in the Bible had been and God blessed her um, uh, and, and she became pregnant and um, the, uh, John's father, Zechariah was visited by an angel and, uh, and, and this is, is what he says He said, do not be afraid, Zechariah for your prayers And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So, that's John. He was something of a prophet. So, we we see that John says, I'm not the light, I'm not the Christ, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the prophet. And of course they say to him, well who are you then? Who who are you? He said, I'm a voice. He said, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. He said, I'm a herald, I'm someone who is announcing good news, I'm a bringer of good news. And here's his heart. He says, he, that's Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. Having had such a popular ministry, did John now feel put out because Jesus had had taken the limelight? I don't think so. In fact, far from it. In um, John chapter 3, we read this. This is John speaking again, John the Baptist. You yourselves bear witness, bear me witness, that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase and I must decrease. Jesus is the bridegroom and all those who come to faith in him are his bride. We are the bride of Christ. And John was so concerned that he should hand over, as it were, the bride to Jesus. So that was his greatest joy. What's our greatest joy in terms of our life and service in the church? Is it when we are the center of attention Um, when we receive recognition for our efforts, when our needs are met, when we have position and status that people admire. Sadly, there are some Christians for whom their ministry is everything. You dare not touch their ministry. That is what they do for God. They become very prickly if their ministry is threatened or overlooked. But... What they forget and what we all have to remember is that uh, no matter who we are or what position we hold or how convinced we are that God has called us to what we're doing we are first and foremost servants and we've been called as servants not to make much of ourselves but to make much of Jesus. John had become a celebrity thousands coming to hear him he could have felt threatened by Jesus, but he didn't. If we are preoccupied with ourselves, we become more of a witness of ourselves and less of a witness of Jesus. John's witness is not only negative. We've talked about his knots, all right, but <laughs> if you like. But it wasn't only negative. Verse 29, we read The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness and I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This was John's absolute joy and fulfillment to make so much of Jesus. Francis of Assisi um, is famously reported to have said, Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Now, we understand what he means. What he means is that in the process of proclaiming the gospel, then we, we do acts of kindness and mercy and love people and help them and heal them and do all these other things. Um, but actually, we have to use words. Um, we could love somebody to bits, and if we don't tell them the good news, they don't get saved. so love alone will not save people it needs to be whether it's written or spoken um, we are to fully preach the gospel if we are to be an effective witness as John was our witness is a great necessity our witness is a great not let's pray